Story number one. The Impossible, part three, written by three ducks in a man suit. It took legendary French explorer Xil Cordon 13 years to reach the star system that he would name after his daughter. Dr. Reyes reflected as she flicked through her data pad, reading up on the history. The ship he traveled in was, at the time, absolutely bleeding-edge technology. It pushed physics to the limit and reached as close to light speed as humanly could make it go. It still took 13 years. The Sagan Dyson Sphere had been a little under 1% complete when they crossed their fingers and activated the piece of technology that could not be tested, could not be proven to actually work. On September 19, 2199, the Cardone expedition finally had enough energy to break through the Cosmos-Susha limit and open up the stable wormhole between now extinguished closest orbiting planet Promessa and Earth. Dr. Reyes could only imagine what the moment would have been like from her home, sitting in a lab day and night, never knowing exactly if or when the receiver module would suddenly gather an absolute mountain of energy to open up a doorway to point at an unimaginably far away. She swiped a finger, turning the page in the new chapter. Transport was revolutionized overnight. Energy could be beamed from the Sagan directly to Earth through hundreds, tens of thousands of wormholes fixed in space along the Dyson Sphere. 1% of the power drawn from the Sagan brought Earth more energy than it could possibly ever use. The point of the detractors questioned whether it was even necessary to finish it. Swiped again. The great San Francisco wormhole collapse of 2203 proved the hard way that keeping a wormhole open in a significant gravity well is not safe. The UEF Council ruled that the wormholes on Earth had to be justified and temporary. But even so, technology surged forward at a pace comparable to the silicon age of the dawn of the 21st century. But she pondered all of that was preceded by a journey through the endless expanse of space that lasted 13 years. She looked up at one of the screens in the control room that one held the technical layout of the Zyadis. The Scalae had been shocked to see the Sagan, but humanity had its own shock coming. The technology to warp space around the craft to cheat the light speed barrier was being slowly worked on by the Kozami labs and orbit around Earth but research was still in its infancy. To have a ship that could subvert the speed limit of the universe dropped the laps. Dr. Reyes was the senior scientific advisor for more or less everything that happened in the Juliana system. She had almost as much say in the sphere as Commander Church did, and she had direct authority over the Project Genesis. Despite that, she huffed, it not being her field. Politicians, one scientist, and the same was in the next room. But this was arguably even more important, with firm relations if they could secure the functioning war drive for study. Talk about pressure. She went back to her pad and the Scalae chief analyst had requested a meeting with her. It was important, Dr. Ray's merited up on the human history and wouldn't want to embarrass the species. She will be here tomorrow, Commander. Church was still learning to read the subtle tells of the given by Scalae, but he was fairly sure Captain was nervous. I assume all the necessary preparations. You don't need to worry, Captain, he assured her. 
Your brood mother will be perfectly safe here. I know you have heard of this already, but this is the first contact for us. We are not about to sour our first ever interstellar relationship through Rack's etiquette when meeting a high-ranking official of the first time. Not to mention, our own leader will be present. You can bet that we'll take no risks. Captain's tongue flicked. Church had a distinct feeling that this was not common. When the captain had announced that their leader was coming to Prometheus, she had carried a certain sense of panic. You may have gathered that this is quite the honor. I am sure it is, and also that it is highly unusual. Also, yes, the truth is, Commander, this achievement of your race building this, um, Dyson Sphere has never been done before. I suspect the Brood Mother wishes to confirm firsthand that your species does not present a threat to the Brood. Church had to find a small grin. Station staff at the last meeting had guessed almost exactly that was the reason for the surprise visit. Perfectly understandable, Captain. I am sure she will find nothing concerning. We have a lot to offer each other, your species and mine. I certainly hope so, Commander. I certainly do hope so. The ship carrying the Scalay brood mother was much bigger than the Zyadis. It was also wasn't alone. Five smaller escort ships preceded the appearance of the great hive ship, almost certainly warships, though no recognizable weapons could be detected. The brood mother ships had no clear fore or aft. It was an irregular cloud-like disk, rotating as it moved, as if it didn't really matter which way it faced. It lowered itself to stop at a hover just above the facility, making the station staff a little nervous at a thousand tons of unknown heavy materials hanging, guillotine-like, over their heads. Scalay from the escort craft disembarked first, bigger than the Scalay church had already met. They were quite obviously the military division dedicated to the VIP escort. They wore violet-streaked armor and carried granular, spear-like weapons. Finally, the brood mother disembarked. She was not like all like Church was expecting. The premier of the UEC, along with Church and his senior staff, including most of the scientific personnel lined up behind Dr. Ray's, laid eyes upon what appeared, for all intents and purposes, to be a tall, slender human woman dressed in a flowing robe. As she approached, and extended to shake, the staff could see the telltale signs of alien life. Slitted eyes, coloration patterns on her face that didn't look like makeup. A pair of small, delicate horns curving back from her ears. Welcome, Broodmother, to Prometheus Alpha. I am Premier Vice, representative of the United Earth Coalition. I trust that you are, um, I trust. The Broodmother smiled an entirely human-like way as she gripped his hand. Your confusion is understandable, Madam Premier. My name is Broodmother Taurus. My true body remains on my ship. It is too large and too immobile to guide through the human-designed structures, so I am controlling this custom-grown drone for diplomatic purposes. She gestured with a free hand. Shall we retire indoors? We have more to discuss than you know. The captain was present, as was the chief analyst. Dr. Reyes, Commander Church, and Lieutenant Matthews, not to mention the Premier herself. Terraces on her guard were, by her order, standing just outside the room, franking the door. First thing is first, I must explain a few things. The brood mother took a seat at the table as if it had been moving in a human body her entire life. 
The science team especially noted that she seemed to slide much more naturally into the human customs than her subordinates. She wasn't even using the translators speaking English like a native. There are many brood mothers, she began, as one who exists at the edge of the Skelet territory. My is specifically exploration and diplomacy. I engage in and maintain relationships between my brood and the neighboring civilizations of the other species. Yes, there are others. She smiled as Dr. Reyes leaned forward in a seat, eyes shining. Normally, it would be a great deal longer before I made any form of personal contact with the newly discovered species. And normally, you would be invited to come and see me instead of the other way around. However, circumstances make this different. I am afraid normal diplomatic relations must take a backseat this time, and I must act somewhat more recklessly. Church didn't need his burgeoning sense for the scalae particularities to see the agitation clear of Taurus's face. She was wearing a human skin, and there was nothing more human than fidgeting nervously, as she could see her features. You see, we brood mothers each control our own sectors of space. We are the individual rulers of our own broods and engage in treaties, relationships, and open warfare with other brood mothers, just as we do with alien civilizations. But that is about to change. She took a device from her pocket and placed it at the center of the conference table. There is a Grand Queen, a racial overlord who holds total power over trillions of scalae in the universe. She activated the device and a purple-tinged hologram sprang into life on the table, displaying a three-dimensional map of the universe with a bluish blob at its center. She sleeps and wakes in a hibernation cycle, roughly a millennia of rulership, followed by 800 years of sleep. During this time she is awake, her authority is unquestionable. We, the brood mothers, are all her daughters, and she holds psychic dominance over us that we cannot disobey. The hologram had a bizarre-looking character at its edge, clearly some kind of alien script denoting exactly what there was on the map. Apologies, my techs were able to adjust the display for you and eyes, but didn't have time to adapt it properly for your writing system. This is the entire Skellia Empire approximately 50,000 years ago. The Grand Queen has at this point in time just ended a hibernation cycle. I will now play the time lapse of approximately 100 years per second. Watch carefully. A room of silent humans and Skelet watched the curious eyes as the blob in the center of the map that denoted the Empire started growing. Slowly at first, then more aggressively. Other smaller blobs of various colors would spring up in the path, only to be swallowed by the growing empire and cease to exist. Alien empires eaten alive in their infancy. For ten seconds it grew faster and faster. Then all of a sudden it stopped. Rapidly it began to shrink. Now the queen goes into hibernation, the brood mothers are no longer under the control and given individuality again. Infighting breaks out. Territory is lost. Eight seconds of four fractured Scalae Empire to shrink back to roughly what it was. Other civilizations rose up and vacated spots in the Empire left. Some of them bordered Scalae territory with one overcoming the other, a sign of successful diplomacy. Then, at about the 50th decided it had reached its biggest, the shrinking stopped. Again, the blob grew, splashing color bordering the Empire were consumed as before. I will increase the time-lapse speed. 
Everyone watched increasingly grim, the empire expanded and collapsed in a cycle, like the breathing of some gigantic animal that destroyed all around it with every upswing and then tore itself to pieces on every exhalation. Church was an old hand at stellar distances. He could tell from the shape that depicted the stars and nebula on the map that the monolithic size of the breathing Skalai Empire. Even at the smallest, just before the Grand Queen awoke, the Empire dwarfed the largest civilizations to rise around it. And even the most successful civilizations didn't resist the expansion for any length of time. The hologram paused at the end of the shrinking cycle, slowing the Empire at its smallest, right before it began to expand again. And this is today. Silence. A thousand questions buzzed in the skulls of the Watchers, but the biggest one was not a question at all. The point Taurus was trying to get at and could not be clearer, Church could already see the next thousand years laid up before him. Another awakening, another growth cycle, where the Empire would expand to consume all that stood before it. His blood ran cold. I... I practiced diplomacy. There was a clear, distraught look across Taurus's features. She looked almost in the verge of tears. But the Grand Queen, she does not. She is a conqueror. When she wakes, there will be no more talking. There will be no trade, no relations, no sharing scientific progress. There will only be war. And I can promise you, they will be wars that we will win. We have always won. I was born 900 standard years ago, created by the Grand Queen as a brood mother who would adapt to unusually strong enemies and destroy for her. That was my purpose. For a century I carried it out under her control. I directed my brood to fight and die. Thousands, millions, billions. The numbers didn't matter. I just made more, just as all my sisters did, until the force opposing us had been thoroughly annihilated. It was only when she went to sleep, when I was finally allowed to think for myself, that I realized that there was a better way. That I went to a warlord to diplomat. She actually was crying now. Tears ran down her face. No ugly bawling, just a dignified emotion. I have never told any of this to my species, but I have never encountered a species who could harness such power as you do. That is why I must ask you to take this chance. Please. She placed her hands on the table and leaned in, head slightly bowed, clear desperation radiated from her plea. Destroy the Grand Queen. End of story.